My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I love cherry. Okay, save me one of those, okay. And I like the snow. Is anybody with me on that? Yeah. It was really nice this morning with the sun hitting it and the sparkly and all that. It just kind of warms your heart. Something else warms my heart. When the sunrise is shining off the steam rising up out of the Palo nuclear power plant, that is, whoo, that is nice. And you all warm my heart. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you warm my heart. Okay. We always hope for good, warm hospitality and also a sense of God's presence here. So um, you're, you're, we'd like to say you're not here um, by accident. We think everybody's here on purpose, that God has something he wants to do. And uh, today we're thinking it might have something to do with love and growing in love because we're on this little mission to try to figure out how to be better lovers, how to love God better, how to love our neighbor better, maybe even how to love ourselves better. And we've been kind of digging into that for a few weeks, and now we're trying to drill down into it and get more and more practical as we go to learn various ways that we can do that. And the passage that Bruce introduced, I think, is a great one to to launch us out today. Um, You can turn to it if you want to follow along. I'm just going to read the same two verses. John 13. Um, This is in a section where Jesus is giving his kind of final words to the disciples. He's getting ready to go to the crucifixion and he gives them this kind of new commandment and then he talks a lot about what's going to come next and he prays for them and then he's arrested and hauled off and um, beaten and taken to the cross. So I always like to pay attention when it's somebody's kind of like their last words. If you had to give like last words to somebody, would you think they have greater significance, greater importance? You know, this is the last thing I want you to know. So this is kind of, these words are kind of in that vein. John 13, uh, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. I have another confession to make. Um, I like to read the magazine covers while standing in line at the grocery store. Of course, none of you have ever done that, I know, but a couple things in particular catch my attention. If there's ever anything about alien abduction, that's almost enough to make me take the magazine out of the rack and look at it, just so you know. The other thing that gets my attention is the stories about movie stars falling in love. Have you ever noticed those stories? You know, these people are usually ridiculously wealthy and they are always fabulously good-looking and, of course, they're famous enough to get their picture on a magazine cover. But I am so very relieved when they can find true love because that's got to be a hard thing for them. And everyone deserves true love, right? We all deserve true love. For us ordinary folks, though, these magazines offer some support and help in finding true love, and they come in the form of quizzes, like love quizzes. So you can find out what kind of lover you are, what kind of personality you have, what kind of personality you should look for, what kind of uh, person you should find, what color is your love, that kind of thing. So I wanted to give you one of these love quizzes to start with today. Are you game? Okay, but you've got to be honest, okay? It's three questions. Here's the first one. You're walking to go see your beloved, and you have two options. There's a short path that takes you directly to this person, 
but that path is just boring and plain. And there's a long, windy path that takes you to your beloved, but it's very interesting, filled with beautiful sights and sounds. You're headed toward your beloved. Which path do you take? The short, boring path or the long, winding, beautiful path? Okay, you've got to commit to one or the other. Which path? Maybe tell your neighbor so they know that you've made a decision. Okay? Second question. On the way to see your beloved, you see two rose bushes along the path, and you have an option to pick roses, and they're either red, a red bush or a white bush. And you can pick any number of roses. You have to pick 20. What color roses do you pick and how many of each color? Red or white or a combination of both. And how many roses do you pick? Okay, you've got an answer. Figure it out. You got your nod and you've got an answer. Tell your neighbor if you want to commit to it. Okay? Third question. You've delivered your roses to your beloved and now you have to return home. You have the same two options. You can take the long, windy, beautiful path or you can take the short, direct, boring path. You have to pick one path or the other to go home from seeing your beloved. Which path do you take, short or long? Okay? Now the answers you picked are very important. They tell something about you and your love, the kind of love that you have. I am not going to explain the meaning of the quiz until the end of the sermon. And only if you pay really good attention to what I say now, then I will tell you what your answers mean. When I read a passage like John 13, it seems really simple. Love one another. Yes? It sounds good. As soon as I start thinking about it, it gets complex. And I've found each week as we've been digging deeper into what love looks like, it gets more and more complex, just how that actually gets lived out. And so this particular passage raised three questions for me about what love is and how to live that out. And those are the three questions I want to explore with you in just for a few minutes, okay? The first question is this. Do we take seriously that love is at the center of our faith as Christians? And maybe you could ask the question this way. Do you take seriously that love is at the center of what it means for us to be followers of Christ? Christians? Do we really grasp the significance of that and get how important this is? Love is at the center of all things. Now, the placement of this passage in John 13 tells me to really pay attention to this because it is a final word. It's like a a parting shot from Jesus to his disciples. Of all the things that they learned in the three years they followed him, he seems to come back to this one most often, and he, came, and he comes back to this at the very end. Love one another as I have loved you. This is such an important commandment that we actually name it. Most people refer to these two verses as the new commandment, which is kind of funny because it's not new. He's been saying the same thing over and over, but the force that it comes with in this case seems to add greater significance to it. A new command I give you, Jesus says, love one another. That right there should make you pay attention. A new command, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Everything about this smacks as being really important. This is like at the center of what it means for us to be followers of Christ. 
And we've been hearing kind of allusions to this throughout Christ's ministry. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, this is like core to what we believe as Christians. This is maybe one of the first verses we all learn. For God so loved the world. We've been looking for a couple weeks now at kind of different angles on the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I mean, when they came and asked Jesus, what is the most important thing of all the law and the prophets? What's the most important thing? Love God with all your heart. Well, okay, what about, what's number two? Love your neighbor as yourself. We get this from the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever preached, a key point in Jesus' ministry. Jesus says, you've heard that I said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus connected love and forgiveness. When he talked to the woman who um, anointed his feet by tears and oil and then washed them, dried them off with her hair, remember that scene? And everybody's like, What's going on here? And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So we see these things coming up constantly, constantly reminding us. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This comes up just a few verses later after John 13 and John 15. A couple paragraphs about loving the Father and what that means and abiding in that love and remaining in that love. So these passages are all very familiar with, to us. And so at some level, I think we get that love is at the center of our faith. But hearing it from Jesus himself on this particular night makes it really grab my attention. And then actually when I read through that whole section, John 13, 14, 15, he repeats the word 20 times. Love, 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 love. And it's not just any kind of love, but love as he loved. And if you really want to drill down into what that means, well, then just keep reading the story. Jesus loved so that he came and dwelt among us, lived a perfect life, and then he's arrested, he's beaten, he's nailed to a cross, he dies. This is his love for us. And Jesus says, love as he loved. Do we take seriously that kind of love? That at the center of our faith is a love that would give myself for somebody else. I don't know. This is part of your quiz. You've got to answer that for yourself. Do you take it that seriously? It seems like the disciples did. That's just one question. Second question, why do we find it sometimes so hard to love this way? You know, we have all these commands in Scripture to love, to love one another, to love our enemies, to love our neighbors. Over and over and over again, we read about this, we talk about it, we believe it, right? Why is it sometimes so hard to love others. 
I've been blessed for many years to have a, a mentor who has walked with me to help me figure out some of this stuff. And uh, it's, many of you know him, it's Ray Vanderweel. He's not here today, so I can tell you anything I want to about this. Uh, Ray has helped me at a number of different points to understand what it really means to love and why it can be so hard to love sometimes. And he's talked to a, about it, maybe you've heard him do this in some of the classes that he's taught here, about the difference between being a lover and being an investor. That oftentimes we deal with love for one another as though it's like an investment. So I'm going to like love you, but it's really because I feel like you can do something for me. I can get something from you. There's some value, there's some return on my love. That's what we want when we make an investment. So it's easy then to love people who can give me a return. They can give me an investment. They can make my investment worth it. It's harder to love somebody if there's no return on your investment. That's part of what makes it hard to love. If I have to love somebody with a sacrificial love and I get absolutely nothing out of loving you, that's true love. That seems to be the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's love. That's not an investment. If I'm going to my enemy to say, I'm going to love you no matter what, even though you continue to abuse me and continue to persecute me, I'm going to continue to love you. That is true love. Jesus goes on in this same passage in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you back, what reward is that to you? Even the tax collectors do that. See, the tax collectors figured out how to make a good return on their investment, right? Well, if I invite you to my home for dinner, because I know you're going to pay me back by inviting me to your home for dinner, good investment, right? If I love you because I know you're going to love me and have my back in return, that's a good investment. Everybody does that. The pagans do that. The tax collectors does that. Everybody in the world does that. Jesus seems to be saying we should do something else. Rather than being good investors, we're supposed to be good lovers and love our neighbor, love our enemy, even if there's no return on our investment. Well, that sounds like hard, doesn't it? That's a hard way to love. Loving as Jesus loves seems to mean something about no strings attached. I have to just love you no matter what. So I used to think that the real issue in regard to loving other people was the other people. Because, you know, some people are just really difficult to love because they are. You know people like this. People who are different than us, people who have hurt us, people who disagree with us. These people are harder to love. Ray helped me face another issue related to why it's hard to love some people sometimes, and it goes beyond the investing. It goes to maybe trying to take it a little bit deeper, which is what I always appreciated about Ray. He was willing to take it deeper. So there was a situation once. This was years ago. I received a letter from someone in the congregation who vehemently disagreed with something I had said in a sermon, and they wrote me a long letter telling me how much they disagreed. 
And for some reason, this hit me really hard. I think maybe it was one of the very first times I realized that, well, everybody doesn't agree with me all the time. So I took my letter in my hand, and I immediately ran over to Ray's house, and I burst into his house, and I flopped down on the couch, and I started crying. It was kind of a sobby, snotty kind of crying. I was really upset about this. And Ray, who is infinitely patient, waited until I could finally blurt something out. And the first thing I said was, somebody hates me. And he let me rant for a little bit. And then he started to talk to me about what this meant. And he says, well, let's go back to what we know the best. And he said, let's start with the great commandment. Remember that one? Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the first question he would always ask me in these situations is, how is your love for God? Are you confident in God's love and you know he loves you and all that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know all that. I'm the pastor. I know that God loves me. Everything's fine there. So then the next question he asked me was, how's your love for yourself? Which really kind of ticked me off because I wasn't there because I was having a problem with myself. I was there because I was having a problem with somebody else. Right? And I blurted out something quickly like, yeah, I'm fine with myself. It's the other people. They're the problem. It's this person. And he let me rant for a few minutes and was very patient. And then the next thing he said was, so how you doing with loving yourself? He asked me the same dumb question again. And I was floored because Ray knew something about me. And he was on to something really important. And that is I have gone through times in my life when I really don't like myself very much and I don't love myself at all. I've had times in my life when I feel like I don't measure up, I'm not good enough. Um, who could love me because I'm not lovable? I'm not worth loving. I've had seasons in my life when that was the case, and when I got this particular letter, it was one of those seasons. And Ray knew that. And so he talked to me about that quite a while. And then he said something that has helped me profoundly for many years, and it is this. You're never going to be able to love somebody else until you love yourself properly. Now, I know it can be a little bit dangerous to talk about loving ourselves because we live in a world where there's some kind of dangerous extremes with that. There are some people who, yeah, they're just full of love for themselves. They're overtaken with love for themselves, and it results in pride and arrogance, and they can't see past themselves. But there's also people in the world who struggle with love for themselves because they wonder about whether they are worthy, whether they measure up, whether they're good enough. Proper love lands right in the middle of those two extremes and says, you know what, we're honest about who we are. We recognize that we all have strengths and weaknesses. This is the way we are. And we are loved this way. And actually the one who knows us best loves us most. Is that enough? So that we can have a proper self-love. If you don't deal with this, then you end up living with regret and shame. You end up being angry and resentful, you end up being afraid of people and afraid that you're never going to be measured properly and that you're never going to be worth it. And I've run into this issue many times since that day with Ray in my own life and with other people who've come to me with this trouble. If we do not love ourselves properly, then it's very hard to love someone else. I think that is one of the barriers that we have to loving people, why it can become so hard. 
We are tending to be investors and we are tending to be not completely healthy in our own self-perception. So it's part of the quiz. I don't have to answer it for you. You have to answer the question, why can it sometimes be so hard to love other people? There might be some stuff there that you could explore a little farther. And if you want to, I say talk to Ray about that. But this led me to the third question, which was, so what does it look like if we really do love each other well? What if we get all the stuff sorted out and everything's going great and we're, we're loving God wholly and we're loving ourselves properly so that we can love our neighbor boldly, so that we can follow this new commandment that Jesus said, love your neighbor as I have loved you. What would it look like if we could love like that? Now, I don't know if Ray got his ideas from C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis also talks about investors and lovers, but he uses a little bit different language when he talks about it. He talks about the difference between need love and gift love. Need love is this. Lewis says, need love comes from emptiness in us so that we have to invest in other people to try to compensate for that. We need other people to add value to us, to make us worthwhile. We're looking at other people as giving us something or having something that we want, that we long to possess. Need love tries to get something from you so that I can feel more worthy. Need love reaches out to you but only for the purpose of getting something from me. That's what need love does. But he suggests that there's another love and that's gift love. Gift love says... I love you, not out of some emptiness I have or some lack I have or some need or want or desire I have. I just love you because you deserve to be loved. The goal of gift love is to enrich you and enhance you, to make you more treasured, more valued, more beloved. That's the goal of gift love, to bless you So it seems to me that what it would look like if we got this all figured out and we were loving each other well is that we would be ridiculously good at blessing the people around us, of giving them good gifts, gifts that would encourage them and strengthen them and give them hope and help them. The the best example I have of this in my own life is my wife, Mary. She is a ridiculously good lover and she loves with a gift love. And she gives me courage, and she makes me more brave. She makes me dress good. (laughs) She gives me so much with no expectation of a return. And this is gift love. A new commandment I give you, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, gift love. Love God wholly with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love ourselves properly, not too little or too much. And to love our neighbors boldly as Jesus loved us. And that would give us gift love. A few more questions maybe for you to think about. Do you know how much God loves you? If you don't, do something like read the Gospels and just listen to how many times God does something extravagant to bless us in Jesus.
Another question is, do you love yourself properly? Is there uh, something out of whack? Maybe you have to confess that you have too much self-love. You never notice another person. Or maybe you don't love yourself too little. And there's some work there you could work on. Um, One suggestion I came across this week that I thought was really kind of interesting was to write yourself a love letter. Dear me, this is why you're lovable. Maybe try that. And then I wonder that uh, if love for God and love for self are in order then, what kind of gift would you like to give to somebody else? What kind of gift love would you like to give? Okay, I've given you a bunch of questions to ponder and you've done a really good job listening, so I'm going to give you the answer to the question from the quiz. Okay, how many pick the short path to your beloved? Okay, how many pick the long path? Okay, if you take the short path, that means that you fall in love quickly. You are a fast lover. You get right to it. If you take the long path, then you are kind of a more reserved kind of person. You take your time getting to the love. Is that, does that work for you? I don't know. Okay, this is out of a magazine that's in a grocery store rack, just so you know. Okay, the next one was the roses, red and white. The number of roses that you take represents how much you give in a relationship. The more red roses you pick, the more giving you are. And the more white roses you pick, the more you want to receive in a relationship. And it's a percentage. I'm not going to ask you how many of you picked red or white. So, you know, if it's 20 red, then you're 100% giver, all in, right? If it's 18 and 2, then it's, what's the percentage? 90, 10, or whatever. You can figure out the percentages. Okay? The third one is the road home tells you how long you stay in love. So if you took the short path home, that means you fall in and out of love quick. If you take the long path, then you are in it for the long haul. You're good. Good to go. Okay. I was thinking about what if Jesus took this quiz? And here's the answers he would give. Jesus would say, I take the short path directly to you because I want to get to you as quick as I can to love you. And Jesus would pick all red roses because he said, I'm giving everything I have for you. And then he'd take the longest, windingest road away from us because he says, I'm never going to stop loving you. That's how Jesus would answer this question. And Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love your neighbor as I have loved you, so you must love one another. I've got a little video for you. Um, Last week, Leah said something about um, one of her goals for this year for us in worship was that we would learn to uh, press in in worship, which means we're trying to create space and opportunities for us to like just go a little deeper into it. This is usually the reason why I select a video at the end of a sermon, to give you space. It's not because I ran out of time and didn't get a full-fledged sermon written. It's because I want you to have space to slow down and reflect a little bit more about the things we've talked about. And uh, the name of this video is a video called You Say, which is uh, one person's perception of what she would like to hear God say to her to know how much he loves her. 
and it really helped me, so I was hoping it might help you too. So just take a few minutes and press in as you listen to this video. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know.
God loves you. Do you believe it? Well, do you? Because if you do, thank you. (laughs) Because if you do, that's the start. Because he loved you, because you believe that you can love him. And because you can love him, you can love yourself. And because you can love yourself, we can love others. And that's really what God asks us to do, is to love others as he has loved us. This morning, as we gather to do our prayer, uh, I'm, I'm going to invite you to join me. I'm going to say, in God's love. And I re- uh, invite you to respond by saying, hear our prayer. So let us now turn our prayers and our thoughts to the one who truly loves us. Dear Lord in heaven, we come to you this morning knowing that you love us. Lord, we see that in the, over the years of you has constantly tried to redeem your people up to the point of sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Lord, we thank you that he did come, that he did die, and that he did raise himself again so that we might live in you, in your love. And dear Lord, we come to you now and we ask that you help us to love ourselves appropriately. Help us to put ourselves in a position where we're able to love others. Help us to know and understand that you are going to take care of our needs so that we can focus on taking, the, taking care of the needs of others. Lord, in your love. Dear Lord, it isn't always easy in this world to love those around us. So this morning, Lord, we pray for those people that maybe we struggle with. Our government leaders, President Trump, Congresswoman Pelosi, and all of the other political figures that are out there. Lord, we many times disagree with what they think and what they say. But Lord, help us to love them in your love. Lord, we pray this morning for those of our military families, for those that are overseas helping to protect against our enemies. And while we pray for them and we pray for them to come safely home, dear Lord, we also pray for the enemies that they protect us against. God, in your love. Lord, many of us have have lost people, people that have died because of other, the hands of others. Lord, people who have died just because of sickness and illness. Lord, we just pray that you would keep us, the memories of those people, alive in our hearts. And that we know, Lord, that they are in a better place with you. And Lord, in those instances where maybe they died at the hand of another, of a mistake that was made, of, of a texting while driving or a drunk driver, we also pray, Lord, for those people as well. In your love. This morning, I just ask, Lord, that you would now help us to take this love and to go out and to surround this community with that love through acts of kindness, through acts of service, through the baby bottle boomerang. Lord, for the Super Bowl subs to support our our youth. Lord, any volunteer activity that we can be called upon to go do, family promises, whatever the case may be, Lord, take us out into this world and let us show this world your love by doing those things. Dear Lord, in your love, Lord, we thank you. We just thank you for everything that you've done for us, the blessings that you give us, and we ask this, Lord, today, Lord, that you would hear our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.